Are you raising a tween? Are you wondering how in the world do you have the talks with him? Stay tuned. We've got a special guest for you today. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to On Boys Parenting Podcast the podcast that explores and explains boy behavior. We are your co-hosts, Jennifer L.W. Fink of buildingboys.net and Janet Allison, founder of boysalive.com. Today's sponsor is the Birds and Bees Solution Center. You are going to hear Amy Lang talk about how to have those awkward, difficult talks with your sons, and she's made it easy for you. She has made them less awkward and she wants to make sure that they are going to actually happen. And it's your job. No worries, she's got your back. The Birds and Bees Solution Center will make the sex talks easy. Do you want your kids to have more information than you did when it comes to sex and relationships? Do you want them to feel good about their sexuality, about having healthy romantic relationships? You can be prepared to give them the information that you didn't necessarily have when you were growing up. Birds and Bees Solution Center, Go to birdsandbeesandkids.com. You'll find the solution center there. Use the coupon code BOYS, B-O-Y-S, to save $30. That is the solution center, birdsandbeesandkids.com. I am excited for you to hear our guest, Amy Lang. She's got a new book coming out that you're going to want to know about. There are a million conversations you need to have with your children as they grow up. With boys, those conversations may likely be only one or two or three sentences, and you may not get much of a response. And yet, Jen and I continue to encourage you to have the conversations to get them started, even when the subject matter is difficult, awkward, and even a little bit embarrassing. And there is no subject that strikes fear in the hearts of many parents than talking to your boys about sex and bodies and relationships. But take heart, our guest, our returning guest today is a good friend of On Boys. Amy Lang of Birds and Bees and Kids is your guide extraordinaire for all things sex talks. And those awkward conversations that may stem from a question he's asked, or maybe because he's entering middle school and you know you haven't talked with him about all the things yet, have no fear. Amy's new book, Sex Talks with Tweens, What to Say and How to Say It, gives you the actual words to say. Amy, welcome. Thank you for having me be a returning guest. I super love you too and your show and happy, happy to help as a mom of a boy 
who told me that he would rather talk to strangers than me, his sex educator mama about sex. I feel the boy sex talk pain. Um, he's 21 now. So those conversations now are essentially over, except for more in healthy relationship, right? Because he's in one. Anyway, so thank you. Nice to see you too. Hear you my, too. My favorite part of your book right at the beginning is you, you're fussing up and saying, yeah, I was not always good at this. I was the parent who was like, wait, what am I supposed to say to my kid and skipping over words and books. So I think that is a helpful place to start, Amy, because very few of us, even you, you weren't good at this naturally, because I'm guessing you didn't grow up with a parent who was talking freely with you about sex. No, of course not. I mean, who, who, like there are 10 people on the planet that lucked out in that department, but yeah, I had been a sex educator for a super long time and working with teenagers and young adults and adult adults and doing all the usual pregnancy birth control STI stuff. And I loved that. That was my hobby. I was really good at it. That was soul. my hobby. Yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> <Jen? Hobby. laughs> Knit some people, pregnancy counseling, you know, um, <laughs> Like she, she has found a new hobby though. She is my pickleball pal. So yes. there's other things than just talking STIs. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. 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 <laughs> good to know. Right. Yeah. So, um, so I just thought, you know, I'll be great at this when I have kids and I just wasn't, I had no idea how to talk with a little person about really, I could, I was like, Oh, great, great. I'd rather talk to a 15 year old about their pregnancy. Right. than my five-year-old about his penis. And that was not a good space to be as a parent and really as this, like I was a sex educator. This was my hobby slash career. And um, so that led me to doing all this research to figure out how to do it for our family. And then I also have a master's degree in adult education. And I just combined my two favorite things. I love, love, love working with adults. I love adult learning. I love adult learners. And then as we all know, I love sex. So talking about sex and sex, sex, why not? Right. 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 So the first step for so many parents is you kind of just have to make a decision to get over, deal with, work through your discomfort because this is such an essential topic. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. listeners, listeners, wherever you are, if your kid is entering middle school and you haven't said anything yet, if he's leaving high school and you still haven't said anything there, Amy is, has got your back. You can start anywhere. And I know, cause I've heard Amy talk many times, the sooner you start, the better it's never too soon to start. Yeah, for sure. Yes. And thank you. Right. Uh, there's so much guilt and shame about sexuality in general. And then when we are maybe sort of air quotes failing the sex acts with our kids and this is double guilt and shame so it's complicated and yeah janet you're exactly right there's it's never too soon and you know the point that it's too late really is when they're in their 20s because you're like ship has sailed but there's always something you can talk about uh, one of the benefits of talking with older kids like teenagers is that you don't have to screen you can just talk about all the things when you're talking to a littler person you know between, between four and ten ish you have to be more careful and be use, you know, fewer words. The, the way you talk about things is more um, concise or just smaller, right? Like little shorter bits. Um, but the benefit of talking with older kids is that you do not need to protect them from anything. And there's this big concern about TMI, no matter how old 
your kid is. And it is virtually impossible for most of us, you know, like me, I'm white, I'm American, I'm cisgender, I was raised in a liberal household, and I just don't have enough. Like, there's no way I can give too much information, even with my background. Mm-hmm. So that's the other thing is we really worry we're going to somehow ruin our kids. And we ruin them, frankly, sorry, by not talking to them and launching them into the world like we were launched, right? Anybody prepared for being a sexually active person in a romantic relationship? Hands up, hands up. I mean, we're all women. So I'm sure that all of us over the last few years and many of our listeners, as the whole Me Too movement happened, a lot of us started revisiting scenes in our mind going, huh, Mm -hmm. I guess that wasn't really a good experience, but we didn't know because nobody had these conversations and because of the movies and because of the music and because of the culture. So for a lot of us, that's underscoring why we want to talk to our kids. Your book is here to help with the nitty gritty. How, what do I say? Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah. And that is true, right? We've had a a light shown on our experiences, you know, yeah, no, we all identify as women and what that looks like. And then, you know, we're raising boys, right? So what does that say? about raising a good man, right? Or raising a good person in general, but as, you know, boys get all this other crappy information, right? What pressures do they face? What are they hearing? Yeah, and so they internalize the misogyny and the bro culture and the um and the idea still that it's the person with the penis's job to to sort of dominate the the conversation and we still have cultural messages about guys are studs and gals are sluts and like all that stuff is still out there. And so it makes it, you know, to me, it makes it even more important. It's important for everybody to have sexuality education, but when it comes to our boys, you know, they are fed a whole mountain of shit. Do we swear? We swear. A we whole swear. mountain of shit uh, in terms of who they should be as a sexual person. Mm-hmm. And then let's layer on homophobia, right? So if you're mm-hmm kid that identifies as a guy or non-binary it's hard but I think we sometimes forget that boys have it rough in a different way sure people with penises have a whole lot of privilege if they are white and straight and cisgender they got it all going on right mm-hmm. um and so that is still a thing. I don't want to go down the uh, man's rights movement thing, but we have to think about our boys being healthy, um, having a good sense of themselves as a sexual, sexual person, understanding consent and healthy relationships, knowing all the things so that when they're in that space of, okay, I'm going to start dating, no matter who they're going to date, when they're having sexual feelings, no matter who they're having sexual feelings for, they have this framework of equality, right? And no power over and that's yes. our job as parents. So that's our big picture, Amy. And I am on board that. Yes, that's what I want to do. How the hell do I do it in this society? It's hard. It's hard. And, you know, one of the reasons I wrote sex talks with tweens for parents focusing on tweens in particular is because that period of time, that bridge between nine ish and 12 ish, their brains are still uh, open <laughs> The adolescence mm-hmm. stuff has not quite happened. So 
if you get in there with this um, information and, you know, the book is all scripts. There are tips, right? There are tips. Of course, I can't write a book without having tips, but it's all scripts. And so if you're able to go in there and find these sections on, you know, what's really important, right? Healthy relationship is really important to me. And so when you're able to think about like what I just said, like, what are your hopes for your kids? What's important to you? When you think about it in terms of that, okay, where, what's the end game here, right? What's the end game? That's the first thing to think about. What are your hopes for your kids as they get there? That's something else to think about. And then that, then the last piece is think about preparing them, preparing your boys for this. And when you are able to make that mind shift, then it makes everything else easier. You know, parenting is uncomfortable, right? Mm -hmm. I've never done this before. We're all novices. So I think that, you know, with tweens, if you haven't started the conversation, uh, a couple lovely things. First of all, they are oftentimes not in puberty. So they're going to be a little more open to this. Um, second of all, you don't have to be as careful as you do with a seven-year-old. Mm-hmm. And you can just say to them, hey, all right, here's the deal. I blew it. We should have started talking about this sooner. It's time. You're going to be in middle school soon, or you are in middle school. And you have to know how all this works because you're going to be getting, you've already gotten messages that are not healthy. And then unfortunately, you also have to talk to them about porn and porn exposure. Sorry, we always talk about this now because the other piece of that is boys use porn. A lot of boys use porn. And they use it as they get older. They use it as sex ed. No, thank you Um, at all. Right. It's not sex ed. They think it's how they, you know, you all had Joe on, right? Joe Langford on. Yeah. Right. He says, you know, they think they they know how to do sex from watching porn. No, you have to give them this frame around. This is not healthy. It's not normal. No one looks like that. No one does that um, because of the amount of porn they're going to be exposed to. You all know Jeff Foxworthy, the comedian. Yeah. I watched, I watched a special of his the other day and he was talking about how our cell phones have just changed our lives. And he goes on and on for quite a while. But one of his things is he's like, you know, when we were kids, we had to look for porn. And he talked about, you know, you find somebody's uncle's magazine and, and, and all of that. And he's like, and now porn comes looking for us. And I thought that was such a great way to conceptualize it. There is so much porn on the internet. It is looking for your children. Even if they're not explicitly looking for it, they will find it. And many will look for it. I would have looked for it when I was a kid, if it had been available. I looked up sex in the encyclopedia. I most certainly would have typed it into a search bar. Oh, yeah. And parents, your son is doing this earlier than you think he's doing it. And if he is in class or hangs around with guys who have an older brother, you can guarantee that there has been something pulled up on somebody's phone somewhere and they've all been looking at it. So don't imagine that, oh, not my boy, not my son, because it's your son. Yeah. And it could very well be your son that's sharing the link. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the back channeling the links in DMs in uh, video games and all kinds of places. And nobody wants to think about this. And it's, you know, I understand that it's uncomfortable. And we had crappy examples of how to do it, but it are their health, like their full on health is at stake. This is about health and safety. Mm-hmm. It is, it is, it is our job to keep our kids healthy and safe and do everything we can to help them with that. And yeah, porn comes looking for them. 
And I wish that this was seven years ago. We wouldn't really have to have this conversation like I do now. I can't talk about sex and talking to kids without talking about porn anymore. What protects them is talking with them about sexuality. You get in their head early when they're a tween. Yeah, they're going to be a little more resistant, but that's okay. You just push through the resistance. You say, I get it. You're uncomfortable. I don't care. Right. Do we care? No. Yeah. I mean, I wish that there was some way I could convince you, sweet, sweet listener, that this is going to happen. And I know listener, you had lovely parent. You have had this happen. I know you have, you know, someone who has. Speaking of that, I just to interject here because your book is amazing. Like, it, and this is a book that you open, you look at the scan, the table of contents and go, oh yeah, I need to talk about uteruses or breasts or, or what do I do? I love this towards the back of the book. What do I do if my kid is the one showing the neighbors porn? What do I say to that parent? You have the exact words of what to say on that very awkward, embarrassing phone call that you're going to have to make. Yeah. And that's what do I actually, say, Amy. What do I'll I say? And that's my favorite section of the book, actually in some ways, because I, um, I like to tell grownups what to say. Um, so, so if, so if your child, um, it, this actually formula works kind of either way. So if your child is showing other kids or your kids at a, at a friend's house and they expose your child. So it's pretty simple. Um, so first of all, wouldn't you want to know? So you're so right. Yes. Like, wouldn't you want to know? So if your kid shows, an, this is the worst, of course, if your kid shows another kid and you find out, right. Um, and then what you say to the other parent is, Hey, I am really sorry, but something happened and I want to tell you about it. I would want to know, you know, I feel really uncomfortable, but you need to know. And then very simply, the boys were on the iPad. They Googled sex. They were exposed to some pornography. The minute I found out, we shut it down. Um, I talked to them about how it's not okay or safe little tiny piece there and then say, I'm really sorry. This is what we're going to be doing. We're going to be installing monitoring and filtering. We're going to restrict the time that kids are online when that are, when they're at our house, I feel okay. Not okay. Right. The kids seem okay. Or, you know, if their child is really shaken up, say your child's really shaken up. I was really tried to stay calm and tell them they're not in trouble because it's my fault. It's my fault. I didn't protect them. And then any questions now families get divorced over this. They may decide that other family may decide that you're nine parts evil and your child is too, because they were using their natural mm-hmm. curiosity that can happen. But if it's usually with, it's usually pretty good friends. And so hopefully you already have an okay dialogue with that, with that family. Um, and then going the other way, your kid comes home and says, I saw the porn and which is what you want. Right. Um, then you have to call and say, Hey, totally awkward. I'd want to know this is what happened. They told me that they saw porn at your house. Um, just want to let you know. Um, and you know, is there anything I can do for you? You know, we, we've talked to him, um, you know, they, he, you know, we've talked to him and he seems okay. I want you to know what can we do to help? If you're already using a product like bark or circle, then you say we're using bark. This is how it works. Monitoring and filtering. Do you want any help with that and see what they do when the, when the kiddos are porn exposed? uh, If you say who did it, who, who did that? They will point at each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They'll point at each other, right? Because nobody wants to get in trouble. And really the rule number one of porn exposure is when you find out it is imperative that you tell them they are not in trouble. 
Yeah. You're not in trouble. You're not in trouble. You're curious. This happens. How are you feeling? You know, would you need any more information, et cetera, et cetera. If you um, find out and you freak out, which is totally natural response. The minute you find yourself, like the minute you're like, oh my God, I'm freaking out, like out of your mouth, then just shut up and pause and say, I am so sorry. I have... This episode is sponsored by By Heart. Babies need to eat. And whether you breastfeed or bottle feed, use formula, combine all of the above, you need options. We wanted to let you know about By Heart Baby Formula. By Heart has a patented protein blend that gets the closest to breast milk. It includes two of the most abundant proteins in breast milk. And Byheart actually ran a clinical trial comparing their formula to a leading infant formula and proved that babies on Byheart have softer poops, less spit up, and easier digestion. Byheart is also the only U.S.-made infant formula to use organic, grass-fed whole milk. So if you need baby formula for your baby, consider Byheart. New customers can get 10% off your first order by using code ONBOYS at byheart.com. That's B-Y-H-E-A-R-T dot com slash podcast. And it is 10% off your first order. Byheart.com slash podcast. This is a limited time offer and additional terms and conditions may apply. We all know that vitamins can help fill nutritional gaps in our diet. But a lot of us don't like to take vitamins because we don't like swallowing pills. How do you feel about that, Janet? There's some days that I look at my vitamins and go, yeah, I should take those. I'll do it later. But I'll tell you what's changed. I have gotten easy melt vitamins. I have the D3 and I have the B12s and a multivitamin and I just pop them in my mouth and they dissolve and I don't have to think about swallowing a vitamin. And you don't necessarily need water either to have on hand to get this big vitamin now. Yeah, no, and they taste good and they're sugar-free. They melt quickly. The reason they melt is because of plants, not chemicals. Ah, plant-based nutrition. For a limited time only, you can receive a free, free three-month supply of Easy Melt Vitamin D3 with your first purchase. To claim your free D3, visit try.easymelts.com slash onboys. That's try, T-R-Y dot easymelts, E-Z-M-E-L-T-S dot com forward slash on boys. I right. have a, a porn question. Okay. Um, so if, if I'm a, an 11 year old boy, a nine year old boy, whatever we Google something, I mean, results are so quick. You can see something before you even really thought it through. And then, you know, wait, that's, that's kind of interesting. So you watch a little bit longer. Um, part of the reason why boys and girls consider porn sex ed is because let's face it, we all want to know like, okay, what does this look like? How does, how does this happen? So we don't want our kids watching porn. Kids tend to be visual learners. What do we do, Amy? 
Yeah. Um, so yeah, of course they're curious, right? And it's kind of like scab picking. And one thing I, I need to find a better analogy because it's so gross, but that um, helped for me though. I get that. Like scab picking is compulsive and it's sort of satisfying. Right. And it's also icky, right? It kind of feels icky. So one thing I just want to make really clear, most kids look at porn when they're like under the, like pre-puberty or just barely in puberty, they look at it and they're like gross and they're done. Mm -hmm. Some kids rabbit hole, some kids rabbit hole. And so, yeah, they are sexually stimulated by it. It's fascinating. It's that push pull of this doesn't feel right, but it feels good. And so giving them an outlet for those sexual feelings, it's vastly different to have a video in your head than it is a still photograph. And so I just had this memory of looking at Audrey Shapiro's dad's penthouse And there was this scenario, the spider and the fly, I can see it. It's two women and all the things that were going on. And that's hard enough, right. To have that. So it's, you know, every, I don't quite know what to do this. So here are my suggestions. Um, First of all, uh, novels, young, young adult novels now have a lot of sexy business in them and they're straight kids, queer kids. There's lots of different kind of attractions and genders and that kind of thing. So that's one place to go. If a kiddo is attracted to women, you can order swimsuit catalogs Mm -hmm. and get a swimsuit catalog. Um, sports illustrated swimsuit issue, very naughty, but not like people are fully clothed. Um, so finding, um, uh, you know, men's men's magazines where there's some hot men in there. Uh, so finding these places where they can see people that are attractive and sexy air quotes, which is of course, you know, personal, that's, those are some things you can do. And then the last thing is if you have a kiddo, that's like 12, 13 and older, the joy of sex, Mm -hmm. it's beautifully illustrated. People have pubic hair. It is heterosexual and it does explain how to have sex, but wouldn't you rather have your kid have this lovely book from the seventies that is accurate and lovely and they can get busy with that. Now, Mm -hmm. this is not for everyone, right? It's not for everyone. And then of course there's your imagination, right? So, so finding ways to help them, but you know, I mean, I'm just imagining myself and my mom, I mean, my parents had the joy of sex, which I found because I was a snooper and I liked that looking at that thing. But if you can imagine Mm -hmm. your parent leaving, (laughs) here's joy of sex, enjoy yourself. Don't share this with your friends. Um, So there are ways to help them with that. You know, again, we got to keep them out of the internets with this. The biggest thing with video is like, it's not just a physical act. It's the, the mood, the relationship, the lack of relationship. And those are things that if you're just watching to learn, you don't even realize you're picking up, but that can really do a number on your brain and influence what you believe and what you think. And think of all the misogyny and violence yeah. in the industry and the racism and the sexism and the BS, right? And then the bodies, right? No one's penis is that big. No yeah. one. Zero people. I mean, okay, <laughs> three people. Three people. <laughs> have a tally whacker that that's, that's that gigantic. Your boys should know. 
that the average penis, erect penis size is five and a half inches. That's a dollar bill, people. That is a we dollar had, bill. You would have loved it, Amy. We had a whole dinner conversation about this um, a couple months ago. It was two of my kids, my 59-year-old husband and I, and we were talking about average size. We were talking about uh, the extremes. We were talking, they were, they were even Googling like records in different countries. And it was uh, quite interesting. Nice. There you go. Love it. Love it. And here's a teachable moment. Like you've got, you've got a, you're like at the grocery store. No, after the grocery store, you're like, Hey, (laughs) FYI, did you know the average, this just occurred to me. I just learned the average penis size is the same as a dollar bill. So if you're thinking your tallywhackers too tiny or too large, it's too small. It's probably not. Yeah. Showers and growers has been a point of discussion as well. Yes. Would you explain that please, Jennifer? Well, it's sort of the uh, size of a non-erect penis compared to an erect penis. So some are larger, flaccid than others are, and that would be a shower and a grower would be one that is more, uh, you know, I was going to use impressive, but that's a value judgment, larger, longer upon erection. Okay. Look what you just said, Jennifer. She did it. For being a kick-ass example of how you do this, right? You just, thank you. Shower grower script. But you know what the beauty, the beauty about your book is here's what I think is so valuable about it. So let's say my kids start talking about something, or I sent something's going on, or I find out they looked at porn and I don't know what to say. I can have your book stashed in the bathroom or in my bedroom. And I can just excuse myself for a moment. Porn, 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 look it up couple words and go back to the moment. I don't need to have it all in my head all the time because our kids are, I don't know, they have this knack for catching us off guard. And I wanted, I want to also say though, the whole book is not about porn. There's so no, much no. other things. I mean, we've kind of focused on porn here in this conversation, but just, you know, skimming the table of contents, it's got everything that you need to know for on every topic health-wise, relationship-wise, just the nitty-gritty of... Yeah, there's puberty. And if you're a person that you're a mom and you're talking to your son and you don't have his parts, you can talk about, how do you talk about with, what are the words you use to talk with them about puberty and their bodies changing? And there's a lot of 101, uterus. Right. Vagina. Yeah. Fallopian tubes. Explaining periods to boys. Yeah. That was something that a lot of us never even thought that we would have to talk about because it didn't happen back in the day. Right. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I think the other things too, that there's a section on different kinds of relationships. And I, I do want to acknowledge that a lot of this is going to feel like too, it's like, it's too much. And so again, you cannot, I didn't say this already, but you cannot give your, you can't harm your child. If you're giving them the information, it's coming from you. You trust me in my words and from my vast experience, you will not hurt them. You might be uncomfortable. It's okay to say I'm uncomfortable, but you need to know this. Our kids are going to be just in terms of healthy relationships and relationship structures. They're already hearing, especially if you live in a liberal community, they're already hearing about polyamory and hooking up and, you know, all kinds of different relationship styles. So you need to get ahead. You know, Mm -hmm. honestly, this is for them, but it's also for you. Yes. 
right? It's for you. You need to decide how do you feel about polyamory once you know what it really is, right? Which Mm is, I'll just give a little quickie. So go ahead, because not everybody lives in liberal communities. Not everybody is part of these conversations. Yeah, and hearing this stuff. So in a polyamorous relationship, there is usually a couple and they are in a committed, loving relationship. They are each other's Usually it's a primary partner. What's that, what, what that's called. So imagine, we'll just do that. Imagine a married couple committed polyamorous folks have an agreement that they can also have another relationship, a full on sexual, emotional, romantic relationship with another person. And so they're having their primary relationship and then they're having these secondary relationships. When people are in polyamorous relationships or any kind of relationship structure that's not monogamous, rules, conversations, tons of communication. And I find this to be, I can hardly do the one I got. So the thought (laughs) of managing another one does not work for me, but people do this, they do it well, and they also don't do it very well. Dan Savage, um, who has been a sex educator, Savage Love Mm -hmm. is his um, podcast. He says he's been to many a poly marriage, but never a poly fifth anniversary. Like there's very hard. It's very hard. Well, and And to point out too, is, you know, where we are generationally, we've got kids growing up with parents who are polyamorous and how do we, you know, that's a whole other thing for the kids too. So there's that. I want to also point out that you've got a chapter on sexual abuse topics, not easy to talk about how to know who the tricky people are and the tricky people are probably someone in your circle. What do you do about that? And I, I especially liked your way of approaching, what do you say? And that they, that they have to tell you've got the script to say, what do you say when uncle George is a tricky person? Yeah. And that's one of the other things too, is like people think that the person that's going to molest their child or or abuse their child is someone that is a stranger. And that is so wrong. 93% of the time, it's someone that's known to the family, which is awful, which is awful because we trust these folks and they show up as friendly, kind, helpful, cool, good. They're usually hip and smart and popular. Unfortunately, they're not all creepy and weird. Some of them are. So what you talk with your kids about is just saying, hey, you know, sometimes adults will try to trick kids into doing things that are not okay or safe, Um, helping them trust their guts. So if something feels wrong, it is wrong. Uh, Letting them know that safe adults don't ask kids to break family rules. They don't, you know, it's not okay or safe for someone to you to touch someone's privates you know, and, and them to touch your privates. And there's, there's a lot of little pieces for them. One of the things is these are not like, hello, lecture time. We're going to talk about safety, right? Body boundaries. Uh, that's too much for them. So you can chunk it out. They need to know that sometimes people will make mistakes. That's how we talk about this. They made a mistake. They forgot the rules. We'll get them help. 
it is very important if it comes out that the kiddos coach has been, you know, inappropriate with them. Um, and it come and you, you say, Hey, not okay. You know, I'm super sorry. This happened. We're going to make sure you're okay and get you help. And we're going to make sure coach gets help as well because they know, like, and trust that person. And meanwhile, in your off time, you can plan all of the horrible things that should be done to that person, but not in front of your kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in front of your kid. Yeah. yeah, thanks for bringing that up. You know, the other thing too is there's a section t- talking about consent. And I, uh, you know, and again, in particular for f- folks who identify as boys, their consent situation is culturally different, right? They're the ones that are pursuing, right? They're encouraged to pursue good news. It's going the other way. So now girls are starting to pursue boys. And so understanding that consent means that everybody agrees. So there's a section that says consent for kids, right? There's consent for kids. And that's different than for consent for sexual consent. So I don't like the word using the word consent with kids because it's like my favorite word, not inappropriate. Like, what the hell does that mean? Right. It's just not okay. So consent means agree. So you can use agree and consent. So you agree to have a hug, agree to have a kiss, agree to have a high five. So that's called consent and then using it in a non-sexual way. And then you can move it up to, Hey, and when people want to do sexual things together, everybody needs to agree. This is called consent. Sexual consent is when you're thinking about, you know, doing something sexual, kissing, hand-holding, body rubbing. Everybody needs to say yes. One thing that I have found is so important because of the culture we live in is making sure explicitly saying that boys know they have the right and responsibility to say yes or no to. So often the conversation they hear is like, he has to get consent from whoever he wants to have sex with. And yes, that's important, but I need my boys to know that they can also say no, if somebody wants to engage in sexual activity with them. Right. So circle back right to where I was at the top talking about there's stuff going on for them too, right. To help them be confident and have that and be empowered to say, no, thank you. You talk in the book, you have a section about sex for fun and pleasure. Oh yeah. And this is where I think this conversation intersects because we as adults have traditionally spent a lot of time telling our kids reasons not to have sex, right? But we don't really get clear on when to have sex. When might this be a good idea for you? What are the conditions under which you might say yes? And to me, this is all interrelated. Yeah, of course it's interrelated. And, you know, we are ner- we are afraid to talk about sex and pleasure because nobody talked to us about that, right? So being really clear that sex feels, should feel good. You should go into it wholeheartedly. You should know it feels good to your body, right? I'm a super fan of masturbating. It is a great thing to know about your own body. And then it's a really safe sex practice because you can mutually masturbate. Now I know if you may have just had a, just a teeniest, tiniest heart attack about saying to your children, Hey kiddo, mutual masturbation, thumbs up. Um, they need to know that first and foremost, sex is good. The point is to have fun and to feel good and to enjoy your partner and have pleasure. And just again, planting that seed 
and making sure that they know that's the goal. Like people who are having penis and vagina sex, that's, they're not making that on the baby making, right? It's for fun. This is so not what the conversation was at Catholic school. I mean, as anybody who grew up Catholic knows, it was all about the purpose of sex is procreation. Not true. Turns out that I have four children, but guess what, ladies? I have had sex many more times than that. What? Okay, Uh, Jen, my goodness. And this leads us to another chapter in Amy's book because, so this leads us to another part of Amy's book because what do you do as the parent when your kid realizes you've had sex more than four times and they ask, when did you first have sex, dear mom, (laughs) dear dad? And you're kind of stunned and speechless and stuttering. Like, I, I, is this too much information for my kid? What do I say? So great question, Janet, because this is something that weighs heavy on people's minds. They think, oh no, they're going to ask me. And this is one place where you can give your kids too much information. Right. Do you want to know about your parents' sex life? No, thank you. No, thank you. And the way to manage this is to say really simply, yeah, I have, I'm an adult. I'm in a relationship. Yeah, of course I have sex. It's part of being in a romantic relationship. And it's definitely part of my relation. You know, it's part of my relationship. Um, And that's it. And then you can look at the shiny thing, (laughs) redirect. And they, if you say, do you want to know more? They are most likely going to say, oh, hells no. Uh, but, but it's a great teaching tool to go back and say, you know, thanks for asking that. Yeah, of course I do. I have. And then if you want, it's okay also to say, you know, when I started out heading into relationships and heading into sexuality, I did not have the information I needed. And this is what I wish I had known. And if you're a person who had who had sex with someone, you know, if you had a heterosexual sex and you have a vagina, um, you can say, you know, this is what it was like for me. And this is what happened. And don't tell, don't talk about a trauma, right? Mm -hmm. If your first time was traumatic, don't talk about that. Talk about the time, the first time that you had consensual sex, right? I mean, you know, we look back and we're like, hell, okay, that was not a good idea. And then talk about what was good, what was bad, what didn't work for you, what you wish, what you wish had happened and what you hope for your child. Cause this goes both ways, right? We're back to that consent piece. Everybody consents pressure. Pe- girls are pressuring boys and they, yep. often, so boys would rather have uh, just a regular romantic relationship. If they have the choice between romance and no sex, they pick that great study. They talked to, they talked to, I can't remember the age groups, 15 to 19 and then 20 to 25 and asked them all these questions. And it was, it's lovely. It's such good information. And boys need to know that. So they know they're not the only one. It is perfectly okay to want to have a romantic relationship or to have, you know, a special companionship relationship with somebody Mm. and not have sex totally okay. Completely okay. And kind of (laughs) please. Yeah. Right. Please, please don't wait till you're what 25 close to full brain development. 
that's one of my dreams that maybe sometime there'll be a little implant and it's like, Hey, romance and all that good stuff. And you're learning healthy relationships and then switch. Okay. You can do it. Um, whatever that looks like. Well, Amy, we can keep hoping, but meanwhile, we have your book and we have all of the wise wisdom that you so lovingly and humorously share and awkwardly and embarrassingly share with with us around the world. And uh, you are my go-to for all things when I have client questions. And um, we just had a little conversation the other day about my massage therapist was asking me a question I didn't have an answer to. So I call Amy's and your book is sex talks with tweens, what to say and how to say it. And I know you have many, many more resources. Tell our listeners where they can find you, find the book and your solution center too. Yeah. So this book is, I think it's the words, which is what everybody wants, but what it's missing is the how, the prep, the, all the details. And my solution center is a treasure trove of nearly everything you need to have these conversations and to feel comfortable and confident. And I think one of the things we forget is that this isn't about us. It's about your kids and it's about helping them be whole, healthy, happy adults. Uh, so just a handful of things that are in the Solution Center, my magic sex talks formula, which will get you really clean and clear and short and sweet, super important videos. There's short videos on things like gender, masturbation, monitoring and filtering, longer videos on porn, porn exposure, online safety. Uh, there is a video on how to talk with boys, the best practices for talking with boys. And then I have also added some new things. They're hyper-focused live videos and classes on how to have the conversations, specifics, timing, details, words, And also we're going to be looking at a video that's on what to do after they've been exposed. There's Mm. a porn. There's a lot of talk about prevention, but what happens after and how to help them feel good and successful. I'll be doing a LGBTQ gender again, deep dive, lots of talk about gender right now. So more information about that and several other things. And Yeah. The solution center will help them do better than you did. They'll feel better about themselves as a sexual person. They'll have healthier relationships. They will make better decisions, which for a lot of us is not hard. Uh, And it'll help you, it'll help you get them there. And the price is 228. It's a one-time payment. It's lifetime access. And if you use code boys, you'll get $30 off. And they also, the other piece is that I do monthly coaching on Wednesdays. It's hump day coaching. You have live (laughs) access to me. um, And it's super, it's one of my favorite things to do. And I don't do that anyplace else. So that's all in, all in the show notes. Um, Okay. So where do people find you? So birdsandbeesandkids.com. And then I have a podcast. So yes, your podcast you listener. So my podcast is called Just Say This. It's a advice column style. People call in or email me, leave me a voicemail and a question, and then I answer it on the show. It is a complete hodgepodge. So we could have a five-year-old who will not let go of his penis and a 15-year-old who has a 
a girlfriend and sex is on the table and how do I help them not do it? Which, you know, not quite a thing. So yeah, thank you for asking. And thank you so much. It has been so fun for me to really talk about the book and I'm so excited about it. It'll be out in May and you know, yeah, thank you. You're, I'll just, you're such a joy to talk to you too. So thank you. I want to invite Amy over for one of our dinner time conversations. I think it would be great fun. I think so too. I'm fortunate enough. I get to see Amy in person every now and then. So that's, that's quite fun anyway. We love you. I encourage all of our listeners to follow you on all the social and get your book and Solution Center where everything you need is there. I've been in there. I know it. I've seen it. Yeah. So thanks for joining us, Amy. My pleasure. Always, always happy to be your go-to. Yeah. Such fun with Amy. Thanks again for being our listeners. If you found value in this podcast, if you know other parents who are grappling with how do I have these talks with my boys, be sure to share this podcast with them. Let them know about On Boys. We are Janet Allison of boysalive.com and Jennifer L.W. Fink of buildingboys.net. And check out the Solution Center birdsandbeesandkids.com. Use the coupon BOYS, B-O-Y-S, to save $30, and you've got lifetime access. It is a unique place to be, and hanging out with Amy is always fun. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.